Hello, everybody, and welcome once again. As we continue on in the study that we're doing uh, through the New Testament is what we're hoping for over the next five years, but um, right now we're working through the book of Matthew. We've come a long way. We've been doing this a little over six months. We're into the 20... Actually, this should be the six-month marker, right? We're in the 26 weeks. This is Matthew chapter 26, and uh, we've been working through a chapter at a, a time. Um, uh, and so Matthew 26 is one of the longest chapters in the book. And I'm going to jump right into it rather than give you the normal preamble of everything that we've covered. We'll catch back up to that next week of how it all fits. But I do want you to see everything that's going on. So um, if you have your Bibles, you can open those to Matthew chapter 26 or there's Bibles on the pew or all the notes are in the bulletin, but they're very tiny. And so uh, if you have really good eyes, you can, it'll start on the back and move along to the front. If not, uh, any of those options, I will read it to you, okay? And so uh, you, can, you can get it that way and go and read it later. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. Oh, there's 75 verses. All right, here we go. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away. And the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. Remember, we've been building up to that, this whole study. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man uh, known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. These were the same guys that said, Nothing will separate us, not even death. And they were sound asleep. Could you not, men, keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh, the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. And then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that says it must happen in this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Those who arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men bring against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out the gateway, where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. 
He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Mm. Everything's happening quickly now. As we move into the last days of Christ before the cross. And the events are just multiplying very rapidly. And we'll see in Matthew 26 and 27 that that things are going to happen pretty quickly as we go. But... It starts with, Matthew 26 starts with something we have to talk about. And Jesus says this little verse, he says, uh, as you know, the Passover is two days away. Now, we've discussed Passover numerous times here, and, and, and yet I want to make sure you know it. It's one of the seven feasts of Israel. We've done studies on the feasts of Israel and how the seven feasts are all um, remembrances that uh, God gave to the people of Israel that they were to celebrate every year faithfully. And, and it was important. One of them, the sixth one, is under the penalty of being kicked out of Israel forever if they miss it. All of them were required remembrances and celebrations of God. And God did this because each one of them has a specific part to play in the revelation of Christ uh, and, and the events that are going to take place. And there's seven feasts. And, and um, what we've talked about is that there's uh, four have already happened and been fulfilled in Christ and at the Holy at, at Pentecost, fulfilled with the coming of the Holy Spirit, and so He He fulfills uh, first uh, unleavened Passover, unleavened bread, um, first fruits. All of these Jesus fulfills in these uh, this three day period, and then uh, fifty days later Pentecost is fulfilled, which is the fourth of the seven feasts. And there's three feasts remaining. Uh, uh, trumpets is the next one, and judgment and tabernacle, and. Um, so we're, we're sitting here waiting on trumpets, and the big trumpet that we're waiting for is the end of the big harvest. And that's how it runs. That's how the feasts are run in Israel. That's the timing that you get. It's the, the very beginning of the season, and these things happen. And then there's a, there's a small harvest. That's what we get at first fruits with Jesus coming and, and, uh, to life and uh, the, the small group of people that come to life as well. That's all part of that little first fruits harvest. And then 50 days later, uh, the Holy Spirit comes. That's Pentecost, the beginning of the church, fulfilled, first four fulfilled, and three to go. We're in the big harvest, and that's what we're here for. We're waiting for the harvest, and we're waiting for the return of Jesus, which happens at trumpet sound. And so we're waiting for feast number five, six, and seven. Uh, if, if you want more information on that, the studies online, you can go in and read the studies on uh, the feast. But Passover is the feast that um, commemorates the setting free of the, the people of Israel from slavery to Egypt. And uh, you, you probably remember the story. If not, you should go and read it. And it's in Exodus chapters 11 and 12. And um, uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, set my people free. And Pharaoh says no. And a series of plagues takes place trying to convince Pharaoh to change his mind. Each of them get worse and worse and worse. Coming up to the last of the plagues, and the last of the plague is a plague against the firstborn. And, and uh, what's going to happen is all the firstborn are going to die. And yet God tells the people of Israel, here's what you're going to do. Four days before this is going to happen, you're to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, into your house, and he's to become like part of the family. 
for a little while. And you think, why is that? It's going to have to mean something. This is going to be hard to do. And, and nothing. So they bring a great lamb, and it becomes like a house pet after four days. And then the lamb has to be sacrificed. And, and so it, it's done. Imagine the attachments that would take place um, in, in this process. And the lamb would be sacrificed, and the, the blood from the lamb would be spread on the doorpost, sprinkled on the doorpost of the house of the people of Israel, on their houses. And the lamb would be roasted and eaten as part of the meal. And then what happens is, is that uh, on the appointed day, the angel of death came, and uh, the firstborn of Egypt were, were killed. They died. And yet everywhere the blood was sprinkled on the doorpost, the angel of death passed over, and the firstborn was spared. And, and that's the idea of Passover. Now, what happens is, why, why, why that's important to us, is Jesus is uh, our lamb. He's the, the lamb. J- John said when uh, uh, he was baptizing, he saw Jesus. Remember this, John 1.29? Look, he said, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. He comes, and, and at the cross, at his shed blood, is going to be what's applied to us as the, the, now the, the temple of God, our, our doorpost. Jesus covers us in his blood, and we are uh, set free then from sin and death. See, uh, in, in the original one, uh, the people of Israel, the people of God, are set free from the bondage to slavery, uh, and we're set free from the bondage of slavery to sin and death because of what Christ's going to do. And so that's why you hear expressions like the blood of the Lamb and, and you know, are you, are you covered in the blood and all those things. It's a... It's a, it's a picture, a prophetic fulfillment of, of what Passover is all about happening in Christ. That, that action was to let us know what was going to take place uh, to set us free from the ultimate bondage to slavery, which is sin and death. And Jesus is going to set us free from that. So he comes as our Passover lamb uh, in the process, and, and that's what's happening. And um, we'll see even more of that as we talk about what happens during the communion celebration and i want to pick up it uh, pick it up there again but but let me this uh, i want to read you some scripture i know i read a lot of scripture i want to read 10 more verses this is from isaiah 53 verses 2 through 12 this is written 600 years before the events of the cross before jesus came and and isaiah 53 2 through 12 write it down you can read it later if you don't have your bibles you can turn there it says this he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our firm infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. 
though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sins of many and made intercessions for the transgressors. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing picture of what happened and what we're reading about right now and what took place 2,000 years ago, written 600 years before the event happened. And the Bible is filled with these types of fulfilled prophecies that allow us to uh, settle in our faith. Just like the seven feasts being fulfilled by Christ uh, in, in such an amazing way, down to the day and the time when the feasts were celebrated and Him doing exactly uh, uh, what was supposed to happen uh, and, and uh, every one of them being fulfilled in, in the right order, the, 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 the crucifixion, the resurrection, all hitting the days of the feast, the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming. And, and knowing that four of the seven have been fulfilled, we have great confidence that the last three will happen, that trumpet sound, that Jesus is coming back, and that the rest of the events are going to fall into place. And so uh, we have this whole build-up, this, this, uh, all the prophetic um, stuff pointing and pushing and straining towards the cross, and Jesus willingly going. Not that it wasn't a struggle, because we see in the garden that it was a... Remember, he's fully human. He's fully man and fully God. He, he, he dealt with... He understands what it's like to be us, completely. He just chose to obey all the time, where we don't. But, but he knew, and he did it. And when, when Peter, that's who we know in another translation, is the one who steps up and, and goes with a sword to cut off the guy's ear, uh, and apparently does. And in one of, the other, one of the other Gospels, Jesus picks it up, dusts it off, and sticks it back on for the guy, uh, which is kind of fun. No, no, nah, come on. Um, <laughs> um, he, he says, look, I, don't, didn't you think that I could, this could not happen? If I, you understand, Jesus could have stopped this. They've tried it other times, just sort of, and he's, he's never around. They can't figure out how to grab a hold of him. They're trying to do it at night now because they're afraid of the crowd. That's why everything's happening secretly at night. But, but he said, angels could be here the moment I called and stopped this. But he said, but the scripture has to be fulfilled. This has to happen. This is the only way. This is what has to take place. And he knows, and he's struggling through it. And, uh, you know, you, you have to begin to think about the, 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 the human part of him that's willing to do what he's about to do. Because he knows what's coming up. He knows the ridicule, the, the shame, the beating, the loneliness. I think the loneliness had to be some of the worst stuff. Because he ends up being completely and utterly alone. The guys that he's hung with for three years, who've all made these great pledges, they're all, they all take off. He goes to pray. They can't, they're not, he's already alone. You get in the garden, he's already hit alone. He says, can't you pray with me? And he's wrestling through this stuff. But this is what's happening quickly. So let me go through the events in the few minutes that I have of 26. Um, in Matthew 26, 6, Jesus was anointed with his expensive perfume, this ointment. Uh, and it was symbolic of burial preparation. Uh, the, the woman who did that was anointed of God to, to do what she did. It wasn't a waste. It was a, it was a tremendous offering. It was a, it was a, it was a type of, of, 
uh, a, a picture of how we're to worship and, and that we're to give him our very best. And, um, you know, the disciples, uh, most likely Judas was the one who had a fit about the cost because he was the one that kept the money. And we know that he was all about the money. Because what's he do immediately after? He goes and sells Jesus out. And part of it maybe is a reaction to this. You know, you're just such a waste. We could have used that money. I wanted it. And so he, he sells out uh, Jesus, which happens in verses 14 through 16. And uh, for 30 pieces of silver, that's the price. Judas decides to, to betray Jesus till, uh, to the end. Then in verses 17 through 30, and I want to spend a minute here, um, the Passover is celebrated by Jesus and his disciples. And it's from this passage of Scripture that we now celebrate communion. And you need to see the tie-in. I know we've talked about it, but I want to make sure you get the tie-in between Passover and communion. Um, The Passover would have been celebrated uh, the same way year after year. As I told you, commemorating the Exodus event. And um, as as part of the process, um, bread was broken, and we we do that in communion now. And I've I've talked to you about how uh, in the the meal... um, we have this fancy thing now. It's called a matzotash. But there was, there was in the Passover meal, we know from tradition, three pieces of bread. And they're separated by, like this. They're always separated in here. And the, the bread that was broken comes out of the middle. And, and uh, when you see things in the middle of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, there's, there's all these pictures in the scripture. And, and that's the bread that was broken. And in the Passover uh, meal, the, the bread was broken and shared. But half of that piece that was broken was taken and wrapped in white linen and, uh, and hidden. And, and it's called the Afi Komen. Uh, and um, it, this, this piece would be hidden. And uh, the children would be sent out of the room. And then they would hide this piece. And the children brought in and they would search for it. And whoever found the broken body wrapped in white linen was, was given a prize. And uh, it's, a, it's a picture of Jesus being wrapped in, in white linens and, and defeating death. And now when you find Jesus, you get a prize in his life. And, and uh, all these things are symbolically in there. And he turned, and then the, the blood, uh, the, the wine is poured and celebrated, and there's glasses. And we do them here all the time. And there's, they go through a, 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 a certain pattern through the scripture and and uh, their sanctification it starts with the blessed and then there's the cup of the plagues where they remember the plagues and the third cup we always get to is the cup of redemption and that's the cup that jesus takes and he 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 goes to um, with his friends and he and there the ceremony changes into something a little different and the language changes and all of a sudden it becomes a lot more like the proposal that i've talked about uh, in all these scriptures. Remember how I told you how the young man would, would go to the young woman's house that he wanted to marry and he would present uh, his you know, case to the parents and they would have to agree and then it would be up to the daughter uh, and, and uh, if she would drink from his cup, they were, they were betrothed. And Jesus is offering his disciples at this point this cup. And that's what he's saying. And we have all the language of him being the bridegroom and the church being the bride. And when we partake, when the guys drank that cup, they were saying yes until his return. And, and it's this symbolic picture that we still take. But, you know, and all day long, I've been thinking about this too. It's fascinating. Jesus won't drink from that cup. And, and here's the deal. It's the Passover cup, the, the saving of the firstborn son. Guess what happens? Why he can't drink from that cup? Because this time he's not going to be passed over. He's going to die. So he doesn't drink from it. Uh, it's it's amazing this picture of of what happens in, in the process and why when we 
partake of communion, it's, it's so meaningful. See, it has deep meaning. We're saying, yes, uh, that we're his until his return, and we're remembering what he's done for us, and that he's coming back for us as his bride. And, and all these things are taking place. And, and that's what's happening uh, in this part of the, the, the passage. Um, in, in verses 30 through 35, Jesus tells his disciples they're going to run away and leave him, and they all say never, they would rather die. Uh, then he, in verses 36 through 46, he's in the garden where he's praying. And what's he praying? Lord, is there any way away? Father, is there any other way? But your will be done. And he knows what's coming. But imagine the struggle. It's, it's so real. It's, it wasn't, it's not easy. It wasn't done lightly. It was a huge deal. And, he, and he's struggling through because he's, he's fully man. Fully God, fully person, human. He feels like we feel. And he knows what's coming. And he's already getting a taste of it as the guys who he took with him, they can't even stay awake. While he, while he wrestles through this thing in prayer, and he's all alone. And, 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 and that's the, what begins to happen. And then here comes Judas and the, and the crowd to arrest him. And it starts. And, and in verses 47 through 56, Jesus is, is arrested and he's taken. And then in verses 57 through 68, a council gathers, and it's, it's, they do it at night, which is illegal uh, according to Jewish custom uh, and law. But they do it because they, they, they want to keep this as, as low-key as they can because they don't want to stir up any more than they, they need to. And so they, they, this false trial takes place. And they bring in false witnesses. And, and even the false witnesses, their charges can't stick because they're, they're not good. Nobody's got anything to say. And finally, the high priest looks at Jesus and says, okay, fine. Are you the Christ? And, and Jesus' reply is, yeah. And not only that, he makes a claim about his deity. And that's what sends the high priest off. It, but Jesus speaks the truth. He's not lying. And, and blasphemy is the charge. He finally got something that he thinks he could stick. And, and Old Testament law, the, the, the punishment for blasphemy was death. And they all said, yes, that's it. Now we finally got him. He's blasphemed. We're going to kill him. We've got him, and, and we're going to have him put to death. Now, next chapter, you'll see what happens. They don't have the legal standing because they're under the occupation of Rome to actually execute Jesus. So they have to get Rome involved. And that's how that takes place and what they bring him to. And you see the struggles there as Pilate that will go through the process. But, but, uh, but they've got him and they begin to beat him and to mock him. And uh, uh, as that's happening in the last six verses there, we see Peter denying Christ three times. And then the rooster crowing. And Peter's broken because he remembers. You know, one of the things though, and we'll get to it, but what, what's so amazing about Jesus is that Jesus will make sure that as soon as he can, he gets back to Peter and make sure he's okay and give him a chance to repent. As soon as he can, he's going to get to him. As soon as he comes back, it's one of the first things he does. And see, that's, that's the heart of Jesus. And that's, that amazes me that, that he knows. And as soon as he can, he's coming. He's going to set Peter's heart at rest, and restore him, and bring him back into ministry. That's what Jesus does. Okay, that's enough of that chapter. So um, we'll pick it up there. Go ahead and read uh, Matthew 27 for next week and uh, get ready for that. And we, we get to 28. Oh, 27 is long too. Good.
And then uh, we'll be in 28, a couple of weeks. And we'll have the book of Matthew. We'll all be Matthew scholars. Very exciting stuff. All right, if you have prayer requests, pass them up to me. If you're watching on the video, we're going to say goodbye on the video. If you're in Williston, they'll pray for you there. If you need prayer, get us on the email or telephone. We'll go from there. Thank you.